Welcome to this week's episode of Couch in the Dungeon, everybody. Episode 1, Getting Started. Today, we're going to be talking about everything that you're going to need to get started playing Dungeons and Dragons as both a player and a Dungeon Master. Uh, we're going to cover topics, a brief overview of some races, classes, uh, just some basic character creation, dice that you're going to need, uh, some different resources that you can use both online and physical copies, character sheets, uh, some, some quick prep to do within about a half hour before your session starts, and, uh, and some different uh, Dungeons & Dragons starter and essential kits that you can get. So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and uh, jump straight into it. So, one of the very first thing that you're going to need, and it's pretty essential, is the player's handbook. The player's handbook is going to have a basic outline of 12 different races. It's going to have your classes. It's going to break down some how to use some of your skill checks, what the different abilities are. It's going to have... Just all that information you need to build your character, understand your character and your class, and just the rules and how to get started. Now for a Dungeon Master, you're going to want the Dungeon Master's Guide as well. And I would recommend players read the Dungeon Master's Guide because you're going to, it's going to help you understand the game and you're going to have to pick it's going to help you pick up on some of the terminology maybe that gets used and i mean it's just a great great resource and it's very difficult to read i will admit so it's something that you definitely want to maybe read in small increments and try to take your time to process and understand but i recommend every player and dungeon master reads the player handbook Maybe not cover to cover, but give it a thorough glance through just to see. Maybe you'll glance through on something that, as a player, you've never thought of. will be like, I didn't, I can do that? There, There's already rules for that? Like, okay, cool, I need to talk to my dungeon master about this. And as a dungeon master, maybe you're like, oh, well, I didn't quite understand how to contest a grappling check. But now that I've giving it more of a thorough read through like all right now going forward in my next session if this comes up i know how to do it and those are just uh something that you learn consistently no matter how many years you're playing dnd but it's essential starting out <clears throat> to give it a bit of a glance over so in the other most important resource that you're going to need to play Dungeons & Dragons is a set of dice. So your dice are going to be a set and it will come with a d20, which is one 20-sided die. And this 20-sided die will determine your attack rolls, whether your attacks hit or miss, your saving throws, whether you make a saving throw or you fail, your skill checks. So let's say your character wants to jump from one rooftop to another. 
I would call that a acrobatic stick acrobatics check so you would roll your d20 and then you would find your acrobatics skill and if your modifier is a plus three let's say you roll 15 you would add that plus three to it for a total of 18 and you know you would pass your skill check or you would roll a five with a plus three for an eight and as you go to leap from the roof maybe your foot slips and you don't quite make it all the way or you slam into the side of the building but you're like just below where you needed to grab and you can't get it so your dice determines everything and it's that d20 that you roll uh next we have a d4 and your d4 just looks like a little triangle and it's used a lot of the times if you're casting guidance, you can get roll an extra D4, or some of your healing spells roll a D4. <coughs> uh, next, you have your D6. You know your D6 is your common six-sided die that you see in most uh, party games and uh, your dice sets or whatever, and it's used to evaluate damage or it's a used as a bonus in much the same way they all are so and then you have a d8 which looks like two d4s combined together and then you have a d10 which kind of looks the same as the d8 but it's more rounded and it has more sides and then you have your d12 and your d12 is Basically a 20-sided die, but just a little bit smaller. And uh, depending upon what race you are, what class you are, what abilities you have, these will typically, if you have a class ability, if it starts as a D6, as you level up, it'll go from like a D6 to a D8 and from a D8 to a D10 depending upon your level and how much you put into this. Um, so after your dice, you've got your you got your books, you got your player's handbook, you got the dungeon master's guide. If you're a dungeon master, you're definitely going to want the monster manual. That's that's going to have all of your monsters obviously. And a few NPCs and a few other things that you could be used for either to assist the party or to fight against the party. Um, a lot of online resources are places where have places where you can buy the books and have books digitally. And then if you build a character inside of that website or that uh, app, you can have access to whatever extra books and stuff that you bought and it adds into your character. Uh, the channel uses D&D &D Beyond for most of its business going for, or not business, but for most of its character creation and our races and our adventure books. And we'll typically just, somebody will have that. The Dungeon Master will have everything up on his computer and then We'll make your character and we'll print your character sheet off and then you have your character sheet and then you can, uh, if you're running, everybody has their own account or they can come in and you can combine into one account. 
through one of their subscription services and then it shows everything it shows any campaign that you're a part of which is really cool and uh, you're definitely going to need a notebook and a pencil and you're going to want to take notes you're going to want to write names of NPCs that you come across or locations that you have to deliver something to or you got to go find somebody you're definitely going to keep track of any gold or silver that you're bought, you're finding or you're spending or any new items that you pick up so that you can look them up later in D&D Beyond or just any whatever resource you're using, whether it's uh, your, your certain books or an online resource, you can look it up and write it down. Or if you're running your stuff on your digitally, you can add it into your character. Um, one thing I am going to recommend is highly important is about a half hour before the session starts if you can arrive early or a half hour the night before when you, you know you're playing the next day just make sure you give your character sheet a once over you know if you had to level anything up you want to add in your experience so if you did level up you get all your new bonuses or anything that you might unlock it so that you have a general idea of what things are, where they are on your sheet. That way, when the DM says, what would you like to do? Especially in the middle of combat, you're not like, uh, 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 I haven't looked at my character sheet before. I don't know what I can do. So, and don't be afraid to ask your Dungeon Master questions. They are going to try and help you especially new and new players because i mean you don't know and there's only one way to know and that's the answer the ask questions to play get some practice in which brings us to our next point you'll definitely want to uh talk with your dungeon master when you're building your character because maybe you want to be a race that hasn't been introduced into the game yet and uh, that race is a part of a story element so you know he, he doesn't want not that he doesn't want you just coming in and being like hey but you know maybe he has some really cool way to be like implement you into the story since you want to be this race that's kind of gonna have, not put pressure on you but kind of be like give you a little bit of a spotlight when you first come in, give you a chance to maybe play, get a feel, like watch everybody else play, and then you come in and you're like, oh, here I'm the messenger from the so-and-so Forgotten Lands, and uh, turns out that my people actually do still exist, you know, and then all of a sudden that's like a new story element that you guys are going to go check out because you wanted to be a race that hadn't been introduced yet so that's something to give you a little bit of food for thought oh there's my co-host um yeah but a little bit of food for thought if especially if you're trying to come up with a new backstory or something for the character and you don't know so maybe maybe that would give you a little bit of idea of how you would want to play or how you would want to get started so I did mention that 
Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards Coast sells starters and essential kits. So the starter kit comes with some pre-made characters, a short dungeon module, a short rule book, I believe two sets of dice and some other things that you would need to just get started and that would be something where if there was two of you wanting to play one of you could read through the module and be like all right I'm going to be the dungeon master for us and then the other one could be like all right well I'm going to use one of these pre-made players since we never played before and then the essentials kit comes with about the same thing but it comes with some blank character sheets and a little bit more in the basic rules I think where you can actually make your own characters and then you could play those <coughs> and then um, going from there you can actually print off or buy uh, through I think I got some through Amazon and it came with a pack of like three different type of character sheets and you could fill those out and you would make sure to have your own character sheets and, I mean, really, that's about all you need to get started. It seems like a lot of work, I know. But, uh, you know, if you just spend a few minutes a day kind of reading through a player's handbook, trying to learn some of the terminology and things that you're going to have, it will. Sorry about that. We had to pause and... Uh, Kitty, the co-host, wanted some attention, so she moved the mic around. So we had to uh, we had to pause and get her taken care of. But so you've got your player's handbook. You your dungeon master has the dungeon master's guide. You guys have kind of flipped through it. You've created your characters. You've You've got every you've got your character sheet, you got your notebook, you got your writing utensil, you're all set to start. Man, really sorry about guys. The the wind blown where I had the window open. Um so yeah, you got everything, you're getting ready to play. And but now everyone's nervous and knows what to say. Uh, dungeon Masters, I suggest just start describing a scene. You know, there's, you know what, we're going to start in a fairly lively tavern. There's a band playing with a bard singing, and there's a couple of people gambling over in the corner. Um, everybody seems to be having a pretty good time what do you guys want to do? And somebody's like, um, well, maybe I'll walk up to the bartender. All right, you walk up to the bartender. Bartender leans over. All right, laddie boy, what can I be getting you tonight? You know, and then something like that, and you just go from there. Uh, think of Dungeons & Dragons as a lot of improv, honestly. Like, just have an idea... And you'll get way more comfortable the more you play. And even me as a dungeon master, as long as I've been doing it, I'll get up there and I'll go to start and I'm just kind of like fumbling. I'm like, um, all right, well, so you walk into the tavern and there's a few people and, um, 
you see kind of like an older gentleman who's kind of hunched back sitting at the bar and you can see a stage but it's empty and there's nobody up there and the bartender's just kind of leaning against it the bar cleaning cleaning a uh uh a mug out, you know, and that's what I'll sound like when I first get started, and then I, uh, I'll take off, and it, it sounds almost a lot like the episode has been, there will be some pauses, and some nerves, and some shifting around, but it's all right, I mean, it's not like you're a professional out here who's doing it on a daily basis to make millions of dollars you know you don't have to be an actor you you don't even have to use a voice if you don't want to um some people do some people don't i start out great with an accent and then i lose it like three sentences in and then i never pick it back up and then i've played with people who can hold an accent or a voice the entire session and they can switch from the voice when they're talking to not using the voice to describe like their actions, some people like to do that. Whatever you like to do is okay. Because Dungeons and Dragons is just about having fun. I mean, you, this, it's, it's about driving the story along, but having fun while you're doing it. I mean, if you're just, uh, I, I don't know, if you're just jumping straight from story hook to story hook with really nothing in between that's a lot of fun but when you get handed the reins like you get uh well my players uh came across the vault and the vault was the royal kingdoms it was like one of their hidden vaults and they disarmed the trap to get inside and uh The goblins had already kind of like taken over the mine and they had gotten hired to come in and clear all the goblins out. And then they ended up finding the vault that the goblins really weren't trying to get into, but they knew it was there and they knew it was dangerous. So they end up disarming a trap. One of them goes down. They uh, heal them and they get back up and they finally get the vault open. And I'm like... It's just filled with chests, filled with gold bars. Like, each chest holds the equivalent of, like, 50,000 gold or something. It weighed, like, a 1,000 pounds, and they were like, all right, we're hauling it all out. And I was like, well, the mechanics of this, how are you going to haul out all this gold? Like, realistically, your character at most could probably carry, like, 200 pounds without becoming over-encumbered. And then you could probably, like, drag a chest, but... You know how are you gonna how are you gonna carry that two hundred gold bars? Because you're not gonna just throw two hundred gold bars in a sack. You know you might throw it in a chest and throw the chest on your shoulder. And so we went about that, and I think everybody ended up getting like three grand a piece or something. I don't know. They got they got a significant amount of money, and we finally got to a point where. They got to a larger city, and I was like, all right, what do you guys want to do? And I had given them a keep at one point in time, so they spent a lot of that money uh, upgrading and preparing, buying stuff that they were going to need for that keep, and just to kind of make that keep their home, which I thought was really awesome. And that just goes to show, I mean, it. I, they got to keep pretty early on, 
because it was going to be an integral part of the story. And I just kind of feel like that give giving them a home made them that much more interested, that much more invested in the world and considering their actions. Because if they were the Lords of the Keep and now all of a sudden one of them's out doing all kinds of crime and like getting caught doing the crime, they all, you know, somebody might get in trouble. They all might get in trouble because usually a couple of them roll together no matter what. And it, it was just pretty wild. And then uh, we'll have an update on that story before too long, I believe. And it, there's just countless others. I mean, it. one of our campaigns, they had gotten a home. They had gotten a keep. And... They had killed a frost giant, and one of the things was they wanted to cut the frost giant's dick off and put it in gold, and then I think it ended up rotten before they did it, and then they ended up killing an ogre. So they, <laughs> they took the ogre's dick and dipped it in gold, and it, like, hung above the mantle place. And <laughs> I just, I thought, that you know, that was cool. That was, like... Hems, them got a couple of them saying like, "This is our house. Look, this this is our trophy. Look at the giant ogre, golden dipped ogre dick that we got." And uh, you know that was just a thing that I let happen because fuck it, it was it was funny. The players had fun with it. You know, we all have a pretty raunchy sense of humor, so that lot that we kind of toe that line and then we cross it and then everybody's just kind of like oh god i can't believe you did that and then somebody else is like well we've already crossed that line so fuck it what happens next and it uh it leads to some chaos so i kind of i thought maybe you know giving them a keep would kind of early on make them more of like all right people are going to recognize who you are you know you're like the heroes you know Yada yada yah. So maybe that would help curb some of their uh, tendencies, and it didn't. It it didn't. It just made for it makes for that much more interesting story, and that's the kind of stories that I want you guys to have. Whether it be a homebrew now, source books or uh, adventure books are a little bit more guided, and it's up really up to the DM what happens in between you know so if you're running the curse of strahd for example you're probably not going to become the lord of the village and get to keep and because lord strahd is just all is always there to fuck with you and uh until you beat him, that's pretty much it and i mean honestly it's a pretty dreary pretty beaten down you know, the people have been rolled over and they're kind of like enclosed in on this fog and it's just been, they've been cut off for so long. They're just waiting for the mythical heroes to come in and save the day. Now, afterwards, you know, who knows what might happen. Maybe you guys would become the lords or, uh, you know, just whatever was up to you to your DM. Trust me, once... For you DMs, especially you new ones, once you get a couple of sessions under your belt and you start looking up videos on YouTube and you start looking up things on Reddit and all the other infinite sources online, uh, you'll be like, 
oh, I can, I have the power to do that. I have the power to stop that. I have the power to encourage that. I can, I can make that thing happen or this thing happen because they go do this and you're going to just, I promise you're going to start building, you're, you're going to play a module and then you're going to be like, I'm going to start doing my home, own homebrew. Honestly, our group has done more homebrews than we have modules. I've only worked one game where we played a module and we played the Count of Str uh, the Curse of Strahd, and I had a blast. We didn't get a chance to beat it. Uh, we ended up having to stop, but it just made a it was it was a tremendous amount of fun and. Some of the twists that the DM threw in there had me, even me, running for a loop, and I didn't read. I didn't read any of the book because I didn't want to spoil anything for myself. So I was going in blind. I didn't know what was going to happen, and he just he threw all these twists and plots in, and we would talk later, and he's like, "That wasn't really going to happen," but I decided I was going to throw it in there as that narrative twist. Just because I knew that you guys would run with it. And I was like, dude, that was wild. I never seen it coming. So, uh, you'll you'll get to that point, And I promise, the more that you're, you are a dungeon master, the more comfortable you get. And then you might get a chance to be a player for a while. And then everybody thinks like, oh, well, you were the dungeon master, so you know everything. Well, that, it's true. I mean, you do know a lot of the rules, and you know a lot of the mechanics, and you know how things work, and you know how you're going to want to be like, all right, well, I want to try and do this with an acrobatics check so that I can then do this with my whatever. And, uh, I mean, you'll definitely have a general idea of, like, what a higher DC, like, what the DC is, like, the difficulty check, what you need to roll to beat that, or what you would think that you would need to roll to beat that. But that doesn't help you when somebody else is running a story that you haven't written or you haven't read. So, uh, I, I do feel like the D, being a DM would make does make you a better player, though, because you can look at some of the mechanics and you can be like, all right, so if I wanted to jump off of this building, but I needed to get over onto the next building and the ledge is like 40 feet down how how what would i and then it gives you a, you have a better picture to paint to yourself built to describe to your dm like all right i want to try and slide down this rope and then let go at this point and then i'm going to try to grab that ledge and you your dm can be like all right well let's said be like we're gonna roll that as since you I, since you want to do three separate actions, we're gonna do three separate rolls. So give me, you know, like a like an acrobatics check, a dexterity check, and then an athlete or something. You know, I'm just kind of rolling with uh, a bit of a random check. You know, I'd probably do maybe a strength check to see if you could hold onto the rope while you were sliding down, and then an acrobatics check to throw yourself to get towards the ledge and then maybe like an acrobatics to throw yourself over to the ledge and then maybe like an athletics checks to catch the ledge and pull yourself up onto the next roof just to give you an idea so uh 
I don't know. I, I hope we don't feel like we got too off topic a little much. We talked about, uh, you know, what you're going to need, not necessarily the races and stuff. So, episode two, we're going to cover some races. Uh, we'll cover the races that are in the player's handbook, and then we're going to cover some races from the, some of the different source books. And then... Maybe we'll cover a little bit of uh, character creation there as well. But I think that's going to about wrap it up. This episode will be out. Well, obviously, it came out today. Uh, episode 2, covering races. Races and sources will be out next week. And then... We'll be going from there. We'll be covering some different classes. We'll be covering classes the week after that. And then we'll actually be covering character creation. I Originally, I was going to kind of do races and classes and character creation all as one. But I really want to break down races to kind of give you guys an idea of what's in the player's handbook and what's in all the other source books and then I really kind of want to do a good breakdown of classes because there are so many subclasses per class and I kind of want to read over those and give you guys a general idea and talk about some of what my favorite classes are that I've seen played or that I've played so and then episode three will actually cover or We'll cover classes, and then episode four will actually cover uh, our character creation and what is called a session zero. So that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Couch in the Dungeon, and this is your Dungeon Master, signing off.